What's up, y'all? What's 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 happening, everybody? We have another episode of Strange Happenings. That's right. Welcome, uh, welcome. I back. am your host, Mikey. This is the bro host, Bub, and hey. as always, Stoner hitting all the magical buttons, magic buttons, and making it all happen behind the it's scenes. It's magic. Uh, we can call it what it is. The director a, of wizardry. He's a wizard of light. <laughs> I could not agree more. That's perfect. And levity uh, yes. and humor. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, this week's been fun. Uh, yeah. Had an awesome stream Tuesday with the Hollow Sky Boys. We did, but that's and when we kind of wanted to the, thank everybody that yeah. stuck around through that. We did have some audio issues. It was noted. Um, I didn't know about it. difficulties. In live stream, Mike knew about it. I had no idea. Um, I was just I really dialed in, and the yeah. ADD was strong that day, so I was in the conversation. <laughs> um, but we appreciate you guys sticking it out that stuck it out. Yeah, uh, the, the live cult, chat was great. The Holo Cult Holo showed cult, up. Hollow Sky Boys, Steve and Kyle. Yeah. Rocked it. Uh, we the, really appreciate them the, coming on. That was fun. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, and, yeah, so we have some new subscribers. Oh, yeah. That uh, decided to come and hang out with us, yeah, and check out more of our content, yeah. And so we we do have some shout outs to do, Start like always. Them off, Mikey. Strange happenings is kind of becoming our fun episode to do these kinds of things. I think and it's where we get to just, be, yeah, the lifelong friends and strange kind of people that we are, right? You know, one hundred percent. When we have guests on, it's not that we're not, but. We try to rein it in, or I have to try to, and I know Mike does as well, because we do, we get excited, um, so we're still learning on that and uh, trying to work on it, but we hope you enjoy it, but yeah, the strange happenings are strange to us, they're strange happenings that are happening to us, and uh, we're watching, you know, we can see people listening and, and uh, watching, we're going, they like this, that's crazy, like, we didn't know, we just started doing it for fun, so we appreciate you uh, yeah. coming along, but... Why don't you start on the shout-outs? I want to hear you go through yeah, this Yeah, so we got uh, new subscribers on YouTube. Who's uh, your number one? We've got uh, Todd Toby, everybody. Todd Toby. Hello, welcome Todd. Welcome to the uh, Strange Road. Yeah, welcome, Hitchhiker. Uh, Third Eye Seeks. So Third Eye Seeks is someone that Bub has been talking to on Twitter. I had a great shout Twitter out to space, him. yeah, last uh, night with him. And had a cool conversation, yeah. which I had never even heard of Twitter spaces. Sorry, I just... It's like I a public town hall that you can throw on digitally this. on Twitter at any time. Like, yeah. You can invite anybody that's in your follow list or not, I think. I don't know if it's exclusive to that, but you can pull anyone in. So I've listened to John Stewart do one. Like I said, I was listening to uh, Kim.com in New Zealand last night do his. And it's just kind of fascinating that you can get into these conversations that happen real time. That's why, like, Twitter in general is kind of a real-time pulse of what's going on in even a text format. But when you can get in and just listen, it's it's wild. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, if we're ever on, we do those. Um, check it out. It's usually me, or uh, I'll show Mikey how to do it. Maybe he'll uh, pop on there or Stoner as well someday. I have a Twitter account. Doesn't get used. You but should start using I can, it. You know, we can yeah. start hopping in. That sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. How many people can talk at once? Uh, I mean, Is theoretically, there, like voice. Uh, it'd get garbled, but I mean, I don't think there's any limit. Oh, okay. I mean, you could have everybody shouting at I once. Would just usually, there there's listening. a context <laughs> of like if it's you and I doing a Twitter space. Yeah. Other people see we're doing it. We could ask them to join. They might have to request for audio control so that they can ask you a question or they can do a chat. It's really, I mean, I said, it's really wild. Like, I learned about them maybe a year and a half ago, so I'm still fairly new with them. Yeah, cool. They're, they're really cool. They're a great way to be able to engage quickly and, you know, meet a lot of different uh, personalities and, and uh, different thought paths uh, out there because there were multiple people talking in it last night. Yeah. It was great. 
It was a lot of fun. Yes, but yeah, third Justin. Was in there. Yeah, Justin. Thank you for that comment. Yep. Uh, Discord is good for that too, which yeah, brings absolutely. up absolutely. Um, so we've been chatting about how to integrate Discord into what we've been we're doing as about well. Integrating a lot of things. Yeah. So we're at the. Uh, I think we're about a lot. We're going to start kind of exploring. Uh, which brings up, by the way, we have a Facebook group, the Strange Road Hitchhikers. Uh, for anybody, it's 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 up, it's running. We do have a few people in there, uh, kind of early yeah. early followers, early adopters yeah. to the Facebook. Uh, I group. don't personally have Facebook, and I'm not logged into that one, so I don't see it. But I know that it's uh, a very active community that can get going on there. I just haven't been on Facebook in a while, but. Um, the engagement and reach, and it's kind of like back to the show. You can reach so many people through yep. those. And, uh, so, yeah, you guys got that set up and going, which is great. And some yep. people have jumped in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a few. So nice. just letting nice. people know that's up now. Yeah. Um, you Open know, for uh, we business. Have, yeah, absolutely. Come we in and say hi. Justin's in the chat. King and queen, what's happening? Uh, Michael Downard here is <laughs> using, using my, my girlfriend's, girlfriend's YouTube. YouTube hey, Michael. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> What's great. happening, Michael? Yeah. Uh, I love it. What uh, about JoJo McGeejo? I yeah. still love that name from last one. Yep. Uh, JoJo, new subscriber, uh, Umdimat. I think that's UMD Matt. UMD Matt, okay. U- U- University of Maryland Matt? Or Could be. University uh, Doctor Matt? We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Uh, Philip Hawkins. Philip Hawkins. Local Legends... Burton Moran. Hey, what's up? Burton's been hanging out on a couple of our streams. He's got a YouTube channel as well. Yeah. You should guys should go uh, check out. Absolutely. Local Legends. And uh, he's got. I feel like we're going to talk to him at some point. Cryptid videos. I have to get into the cryptids with him. Oh, yeah. I want to pick his brain. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Uh, We've got Ronan Art Music. Ronan's Uh, from Twitter. What's up, Ronan? Cruzieth Maximus. Cruzieth. Cruzieth Maximus. (laughs) Should have you read these. Mark Barnett, Silver Stimmel, and Cruzieth Maximus. There, I got uh, it that time. Nancy Miley, Joanne Lockley, yep. Autumn Kennard, Dave Bolenbach. Hey, what's Dave up, Bolenbach. Dave, if you're watching or if you uh, check this out later or listen to it later, what's up, Dave? David. Um, Necro Necromechanimal. There you go. Wow. That was good. Okay. Good, good. You want to do the Did next way one? way better. Yeah, sure. M. <laughs> Not just the letter. E-M-M. Uh, O'Brien. Yep. Flutz Capacitor. What's up, Flutz? What's I up, think Matt? we know who you are. I know who yeah. you are. Um, Ryan Ainley. You know what? You do the next ones. I want to hear these. Bill Grabowski. Cool. All right. Uh, Scoundrel Ruffled Feathers. That's a good one. And Ziggy Dan, Ancient Stonemasons Mysteries. Check his YouTube channel out, too. He's, he's another one I yeah. I, I caught up Is with that? on Twitter. Okay, cool. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's wild. We have so many different avenues to connect with um, different audience members or potential you know, people to talk to or just you know, bounce ideas off of. And it'll be somebody on Instagram. I'm like, I don't really use Instagram. And then you're like, I don't use Twitter that much. So, you know... What we do best, I guess, as far as our social media consumption or what we used prior to is really, I don't even go on my personal Twitter anymore. I don't care about, uh, i watch some GameStop from here and there, um, <laughs> but I don't really go on my personal anymore and I don't, it, it, it's all like strange road related, which is really cool. Yeah. So that, that feed is all I'm getting. Yeah. Anymore, thanks basically. for taking that one up. Cause I love it. I, I yeah, love it. I don't, uh, it's just another one of those <laughs> t- things that I, I just can't. I didn't, couldn't crack you or down try with the to. We just weren't posting enough. And uh, but since you've taken it over, it's been 
blowing up. So that's been great. Uh, it's so, a very engaging. Um, it's like running. You have to do it all the time. Yeah. If you stop running for six months, all of not all of your gains, but a lot of your gains are gone. And what I mean by gains is people actually care to see what you're posting. You know, yeah. consistency and, like anything else. Yeah, you know? and I mean mostly what I try to do is just bring awareness to what we're creating at the moment because I don't really have. I mean, I have my own opinions, but that's not what the show is about necessarily. It's more about we want to hear the opinions when we have guests and et cetera. But this is kind of our own opinions, our own interest. I would say is how strange happenings kind of. Mm-hmm. cultivated but, yeah uh, i would agree that's our shout outs for the week and again we appreciate everybody subscribing to the youtube channel hitting the notification bell you'll know when we go live um what else going to twitter instagram at bub ranley on twitter uh bub underscore ranley on instagram mikey i know you're on insta yep um that's all in the show notes yep contact check us, us out check out the podcast uh on all the podcast platforms too if you have a, a road road trip where you need something for uh some stimulation. Hopefully, we can do that. Yeah, we're getting some uh, a lot of listeners on the audio platforms as, as well. It's wild. Yeah, so, it's really fun. Yeah, thank you, cool. everybody. So, you want to hop into this, bub? We've got Head some first. strange happenings yeah. to cover. Uh, I know my favorite from the last one was the Havmasovs oh story God. and the Paiute. I almost couldn't and, sleep. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I was so excited. And this, like, that, you know, I think, that one so far is Christmas. the heavyweight champ. So let's see if we can top last week's strange Man. happenings. Yeah, I'm gonna go and, on a, on a walkabout to find more Paiute stories of the Havmasovs. Like, yeah, believe we me. need to have a part two or maybe do a whole episode on. Yeah. It. Um, find somebody that knows a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, one thing to mention about the strange happenings and what we cover, there's a lot that goes on in a given week, day, month, year, etc. Um, if you're out there watching and you have something that you think we should check out, throw it to us on a social media platform. Um, send it to us in an email, whatever. You know, get it, get it to us because we're doing this collectively between the three of us to come up with titles and articles and what have you. So yeah, we're open to we've had all some kinds of topics. Fan input. Yeah, a couple yeah. times, which has been the most fun, is highlighting um, some. I feel like a bloodhound some... when somebody does it. I'm like, "What'd you do? Yeah. What'd you say? <laughs> have missives? I'm on it. I'm going right down that road." Uh, yeah. First one we got comes from the Wizard Stoner. Um, claim of mammoth bones <laughs> brings treasure hunters to New York City River. This is from the New York uh, Associated Press. Ask people what you might find buried in the muck at the bottom of New York City's East River, and they'd likely say a mob boss. Before thinking of mammoth bones. But several groups of treasure hunters have taken to the waterway in recent weeks after hearing a guest on comedian Joe Rogan's podcast claim a boxcar's worth of potentially valuable prehistoric mammoth bones was dumped in the river in the 1940s. Now, despite a lack of evidence to back up the story, treasure seekers using boats, diving apparatuses, and technology like remote-operated cameras have gone searching in hopes the murky waters are hiding woolly mammoth tusks. Um, quote, I think the chances are just as good as a lottery. And people buy those tickets every day, said Don Gann, 35 of North Arlington, New Jersey. He's a commercial diver who's been out on the water since early last week with his two brothers and two workers. So he's got a small crew, and he's heard of these you know, mammoth bones, and he's like, I'm game. I'm going after that. It's like, hey, buddy, why not? Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. This is hot right now. Mammoth bones and Pleistocene animals are just being uncovered. You know the melting of the ice caps and yeah, yeah. Some well, of the, I think it's just time and and, and distance. Well, technology. We're, we're we're like those little. Sp- 
four fungus molds that just we keep going to more space and more space yeah. and we keep exploring like there's a lot of space to still kind of re-explore yeah and, um, you know, John Reeves bought that property, the guy that they're referring to on uh, that was on Rogan uh, to uh, he was prospecting yeah. gold and oil yeah. and had just bought that land. And it's it's five acres. Yeah. Which relatively isn't that big of a piece Plot, of land when right. you're talking about Alaska, just like millions of acres or is it? Is right. that, it's just wild how oh, big it massive. is. Have you ever seen a, an image of the state of Alaska in the center of the United States? It's massive. It's a big state. It's huge. Been there. It's impressive. And to have that little five-acre piece, which, you know, they know that. Has a, that big of a yield. It seems as if a giant flood came through and carried all those animals there and dropped okay. them. Oh, really? So like when the waters. Uber eats of. This mud and muck. Because they're, they're down in this, like, boggy muck. And so as, you know, the temperature's warm and they start digging down in there to prospect, these bones start popping up just in this muck. And so they think that, you know, this was this huge water, this flood, essentially. Yeah. Which goes into a lot of the stuff that people have been talking about, you know, about the Younger Dryas and right, this impact right. and potential. So it's starting to connect the dots. Um, but it seems like those, they were dropped there. In this five-acre piece, when the water stopped moving, boom, all these animals are all mixed yeah. up together. Yeah. When we it's went weird. out to uh, – when we went out west a couple of years ago, we went camping, et cetera, but we went to a, um, a woolly mammoth active dig. Mm. And, like, you go in and it's, like, 30 or 40 feet dug down and you can see into the pits and it's they're pulling those bones out, right? Wow. But you can see in the dirt and the mud – of the time when they walked into these, what had happened was the ground was basically mucky, muddy, what mm -hmm. have you, because their feet, when they were pulling up out of the mud, was making these like whirly suck up mm -hmm. suction vacuums yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like pulling your hand out of muck. It doesn't, it doesn't want to go. It's like right. quicksand, but it makes these impressions in the ground, and they could tell that's why all of these bones in this particular pit I was at, um, why the uh, woolly mammoths were there in general. So, yeah. It lends you know what credibility it to of? that thought. You know what that reminds me of, though, sadly? What? Is the never-ending story. Oh, God. When Artax. a Treyu loses Artax in the yeah. bog of sadness bog of or sadness. whatever. Jesus. That's a buzzword. <laughs> That's Get a, yourself out of the bog of sadness. That may be the saddest part in any movie. Is, is like, seriously. Like, when I was a kid, I was just like, dang, that's You know intense. what's sadder than that? What? Do you want to hear what's sadder than that? Watching that movie at a Holiday Inn with your parents when you're like young enough that it <laughs> yeah. you know that upsets you, yeah. and you walk in and they're watching Fatal Attraction and it's right the scene when Michael Douglas blasts Glenn Close coming out of the <laughs> freaking bathtub and I was like, oh, but I just had to see this fairy tale horse die and now I have to see this like adult version of like way more serious business and I was like, I'm going to the playpen. I can't by believe the pool. you remembered that. Like it left an indelible white, mark. Exactly. It was very uh, unforgettable. Yeah. But it was, you know, now it's comical. But yeah, I, I didn't like that movie. Um, nice little. But yeah, you mentioned there. John Reeves up in Alaska and kind of how all this started. But um, the one going on in New York, um, you know, John Reeves said it kind of started this up. And in New York, he said uh, after the episode aired, the American Museum of Natural History threw cold water um, as cold as the East River on the story, right? Um, they said, we do not have any record of the disposal of these fossils in the East River, nor um, have we been able to find any record of this report in the museum's archive or other scientific sources. Um, so when reached by the Associated Press via telephone, Reeves refused to talk and instead told a reporter to read the pages of the draft he had posted on social media before hanging up. 
He didn't answer other calls and emails, which I get that, right? Like, I'm not, I don't, you can go look at it yourself. I'm not trying to get into a conversation where you're going to get me to spin it because unfortunately we have short attention spans, 20, 30 second sound bites. That's about as far as we go sometimes when I got the whole story. I'm guilty of it. Believe me. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I'll say that and somebody will correct me and I have to correct that. But if I didn't talk to other people, maybe I go off with a lot of thoughts that are 30 second thoughts, you know, sound bites. But yeah. So he's like, go investigate it yourself. Um, reached by the Associated Press, um, this other um, paleontologist uh, from the Museum of Natural History, Dr. Sattler, which I find interesting from the Jurassic Park correlation mm-hmm. from the lady's name, but she's an archaeologist with a consortium of Alaska uh, native tribes. Um, she was reached by the press, and she said the story about the dump bones came from Osborne, who died in 2005, who was another anthropologist. Um back in the day, right? So the yep. document cited by Reeves, he said, was real. He said, and it was written in the mid-1990s, but it wasn't something intended for an academic journal. It was a starting point for something, maybe a book based on Osborne's knowledge of a period in Alaska when mammoth remains were being discovered in plenty. Um, Osborne's father worked at a company involved in the digging. Sattler said Osborne spent time around the operation as a young man and probably heard the story about surplus bones being dumped in the river secondhand. And then Sattler said um, he didn't have any specifics beyond Osborne's recollections. Um, Quote, he would have had some knowledge from somebody telling him that they dumped some excess material in the East River, end quote. Um, Mammoth remains uh, discovered in Alaska did wind up at the American uh, Museum of Natural History, including some still on display. The section of the Manhattan shoreline where Reeves claimed the bones were dumped underwent major changes in the 30s and 40s. It went from East River Drive to... um, FDR, um, I don't know if it's Boulevard or Drive or Lane. I, I've never driven it. Uh, I think Bryce did. Um, but there was questions raised that, you know, if the bones were dumped at this time and it was transitioned into this, you know, more major highway, how are they going to get away with it? You know, divers have been going in. They haven't found anything. And uh, the Don, uh, Don Gann, the uh, gentleman that started this off that's actually actively doing this, you know, he's like, I might find something. I might not find something. But if I find something, you know, I and it's dirty, dude. That river. I'm not swimming is, in that water. No, the no. East River is. You know how many big giant cities connect into that waterway? I it's want, ridiculous. Yeah, that's like you would not want to be scuba diving looking for mammoth bones in in that no river for I long. I, I think I'd get know? like a, a little remote control robot or something. <clears throat> um. The next little headline that I came across I thought was kind of cool, and this still plays into the... Kind of dovetails into Woolly Mammoth, one. Jurassic Park, kind of, you know... Fossil world. Yeah, you know, science is pushing. We keep finding things. It gets me concerned. We're going to start making dinosaurs of our own. Uh, but it says, researchers believe they have found a, a rare fossilized dinosaur embryo. And this is from uh, January 13th of this year, Friday the 13th. The Geological Museum, known as, I can't pronounce in quotes, uh, Boxtel <laughs> in the Netherlands, is scanning ancient dinosaur eggs in the hope of finding a fossilized embryo inside. Um, and it says that they, they might be in luck. The museum curator, I can't also pronounce your name, I apologize, thinks uh, that one of the eggs shows promising signs of containing an embryo. It's great news because less than 10 of these objects have ever been found worldwide. Millions and millions of years we're st- we, we've got at least like 10 of these, right? Around 10. That's pretty wild because an egg is not something you would think would make it 
it, it, it's not an ideal candidate to become fossilized. It's very fragile. Well, it's like if it's uh, a it's lot like, of liquid inside, right. how that's not going to get fossilized. But if there's a, a developing zygote be and beyond, yeah, and it actually embryos, has a little wild. bones. That could mineralize, and yeah, yeah I didn't you would think have about that. Maybe like I mean, a if it's a developed egg, that it's a developed birth? egg. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't know. Wow. I'm not um, smart, but I mean, just from what I understand about how the process of fossilization, right. and petrification, the time it, it takes to do it, and layer in the sediments and minerals. There's got to be stuff to mineralize. Sure. There has to sure. be like Well, that's wild too if we're talking dinosaurs and they're, dense you know, material. um bird-like in in retrospect a lot of uh anthropologists and paleontologists looking at these um extinct animals. Yeah. Now we don't think of them as much as reptilian, we think of more light kind of like bird-like almost, right? So yep. that's kind of impressive. But they're probably fairly big eggs too. They kind of look like the Game of Thrones uh Dragon eggs. Now, if this interests you, we actually know someone that has dinosaur eggs. Uh, We'll talk about it more off air. We do? Yes. Uh, Do I? Yes. Great. You just don't know about this particular thing, and I'm not going to talk about it because it's – he has a lot, and they're duckbill platypus. Shut the front Uh, back door. Duckbill eggs. Duckbill dinosaur eggs. Really? This is great news. Yeah, so – but this person – Obviously, we're we're not going to be able to share it with you, um, maybe ever, but maybe we can at some point. I don't know. I'm not saying that for sure. I'm just saying I yeah. don't know. Um, but yeah, episode. for me personally, that Future helps. Episode. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> further on beyond that, they just said the um, um, the egg would be brought to Switzerland, where it's going to be studied for further research, and uh, you know, it's all aimed at uh, the development of that embryo, like Mike was saying, while still in that egg. So, kind of seeing that process, you know, maybe that's a, um, a snapshot. I'm sure that they don't have a very clear picture on. So that just goes to show you too, still missing such big gaps in an area where we think oh, we know everything about dinosaurs. We know very little about dinosaurs, right? Right. What you got, Mike? It's wild. Love it. Uh, so the next one is again kind of this cave art. I think every episode of the Strange Happenings that we've done, there's been some kind of petroglyph or cave art or pictogram. Um, so we're gonna kind of stay in that vein because this stuff is, I think, under research personally. Um, we have some really weird petroglyphs and carvings in Ohio that looks like a little Tasmanian devil. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what's the name of that again? Stoner. The Leo, the Leo Petroglyphs. Thank you. That's cool. Um, Flux Capacitor, What's welcome. Up? David Burke, welcome. Um, What's up? <laughs> late Yo. to the party. What's up, guys? What's up, man? <laughs> Yo, Flux Capacitor. Um, 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> gigawatts. Gigawatts. All right. So the American Southwest, uh, Southeast houses nearly 100 caves. Caves have been popping up a, la- a lot lately, too. Decorated by indigenous people, when using 3D visual tools to map one of the most famous caves, archaeologists stumbled upon an extraordinary finding. Five huge figures carved into the ceiling of the cave, so faint as to be invisible to the naked eye. The images range from 3 feet to 11 feet long, nice. making them the largest known art figures in North America. How, just like, wow. More than 1,000 years ago, Native American artists lay on their backs 
deep in a cave in present-day northern Alabama, they started to etch into the mud on the damp limestone ceiling above them. With only two feet of distance separating the cave's floor from its ceiling, these ancient artists could never step back to appreciate their images in full. However, thanks to 3D imagery, we can. See, you ever watch Roa paint one of those big, giant murals? He does it really close up. I don't know how you do that. Because you, you, someone... you know it at scale. You just... It's just amazing to me because I don't have that sense of perception. Speaking or, of his work, uh, I saw a big piece of his outside of my chiropractor's office this morning oh, really? in Grandview. Yeah, oh, yeah. big Frida Kahlo. Mm. It's it's. it's I think I've seen photos of 15 it. feet, 20 feet high. Okay. Ma- you're not going to miss it. Drive wow. right down fifth. Yeah, that's amazing. It's really cool. It's on the right hand uh, heading west. Yeah. So uh, when you drive <laughs> in, uh, like where uh, my wife's family's from, you take in, in Toledo, you get off on this uh, exit. And as you're coming down, it's this old industrial silos that have just been sitting there abandoned going into East Toledo for a long time. And that guy just built all of these things are huge, bro. And there's like six of them. He painted all six to to come together into one piece of art on this giant scale. And think about that. Like you're just there, you know, making these little marks. It's right by the freeway. How does your brain zoom out to that? That's what this Is it right by the freeway, Mm -hmm. you said? Mm -hmm. I wonder if he did it for a noise barrier for him, but so it wasn't. Like obtrusive and, and um, it's just an ugly eyesore? industrial thing, and they painted on painted that's, it to that's make kinda, it look that's nice. That's really cool. It's not yeah. kind of cool. I love stuff like it's that. It's an amazing piece too. I mean, I feel for both parties mm. there. I want to not hear it if I live there, but I also don't want to see what looks like a big turd on the side of the road <laughs> right. as I'm driving. Right. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cave art stuff I thought was really crazy. One for it being so old. Mm-hmm. Two for it. When we think of a cave, I think most people think of a cave like a massive big cave. In reality, most caves are like when you see a spelunker, they look like a, a horse jockey from the Kentucky Derby. Like you're getting through gaps that mm-hmm. I can't watch it because yeah. I get anxiety. Oh, yeah. um, so I think it's wild to think that the way that they're doing these etchings and paintings and charcoal rubbings, they're just laying on their back. But also the fact of no light. Right, these dark zone caves. Yeah, they're doing them yeah. where there's no light that reaches in the cave, too. That's really wild. So I wonder if there's, oh, man, after all yeah. this time, there's probably not like a residue on the ceiling. Did they have torches? They do, did right. this in the dark. Right. We're using computers to show how amazing it is. They're using this like uh, photogrammetry system and scanning all of them. And again, we were talking I last week see about all of scanning the pictures. Hittite uh, tablets. So here Jeff, we are yeah. once again is using technology to understand. I mean, what do you think is going to come out of all mark, those pictures? This dark zone cave art north in North America, this image is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, that look how detailed it is once you can kind of But why put it somewhere that you can't see it? Well, that's what I don't get. Yeah. Is it like a bank? It's like a, a vault of like we know these things exist. Go put them in the cave that nothing can disturb it type thing Mm -hmm. because it's strange you think it would be on a glyph outside on the wall where you would etch it into the side or i don't know i mean maybe that's more difficult obviously to go about it they were impressing it in the mud on the ceiling and and again with the soot but you know we did the article where it talked about the art where the the amateur 
uh, woodworker. Or he was a word worker, but he was an amateur archaeologist. He discovered the the language in it of this animal is going to be pre- pregnant at this mm-hmm. time in this month in the calendar system. Right. What's the purpose of this one? That's why, I, like, it got my wheel spinning. Of now, I look at all of it as more than just artwork. I look at it as a roadmap or uh, a much deeper telling than just a representative picture. Maybe that's overshooting. I don't know. Right, right. But it's wild. But just some of the ages of these, you know, they range from 600 to 7,000 years. For right. some reason, it's the eastern south, <clears throat> excuse me, the southeastern of North United, America. Of North America yeah, you know, out in the American Southwest, of course, we've talked a ton about the petroglyph sites and different things oh, yeah. that we visited yeah. there. Right. And when I think of, you know, rock art and stuff like that, I think of the American Southwest. But these are more or less like paintings. So they're more pictograms and stuff like that. Um, right. But again, I don't so know that they really little processed different. all of them, right? Mm-hmm. So we might find out a lot about this in the coming yeah. Years or months, but it or seems like long it takes. really unique style that yeah. you just don't really see. Um, the styles are are all kind of similar. There's a lot of the spirals and the geometry in the American Southwest, yeah. and you see a lot of the the handprints, which we've seen at many many sites. Right, um, and we were told that that's them walking around feeling for an energy spot. Or that's kind of like the the spot. Yeah, everybody like comes this up and is, puts their hand on it. Like X marks the spot. Yeah, sure. Like, you, sure. you know, come the up. Oils and, in your hand on the rock over time will definitely. Yeah. Um, it's a marker. Soak into it. So the cave is located on the tribal homeland of the eastern band of Cherokee Indians. The cave houses one of the richest cave art collections in southeast southeastern North America, with hundreds of Im- images and abstract shapes serpents insects birds and anamorphic figures these glyphs are found in an open chamber measuring about 16 by 65 feet um and they were etched uh using mud and you know using kind of the dampness of the cave and creating a a little palette and you know instead of carving it into the rock they're using we did it as kids under the bridge uh, yep we would take mud and, and soot and soil from the water you throw it on the walls underneath the bridge yeah. that was down by my parents' house. We always caught snakes and turtles and crayfish and whatever yeah. else. But it, I guarantee, I know years later I would go down there and you could see it, not only because some of it was still sticking, but that moisture again, it, it like stains it almost. Right. Right. It changes the exterior of whatever surface. Right. Um, as far as I remember. But yeah. So that's weird. I, I can kind of correlate. Not that I ever did any meaningful imagery. It was more like a... Uh, Young uh, Jackson Pollard, but without talent. Yep, exactly. We've got questions in the chat. All right, what do we got here? Oh, Ron have they Fodder. dated him? Yeah, uh, what was the date range on him, Mike? Uh, the date was anywhere from 600 to, well, these particular ones. Um, let's see. I thought I had a pretty Between decent 200, range. Uh, 200 BCE and 500 CE. So this is well before... Uh, a European contact. Right. Um, but the 3D photo- photogrammetry, this technique is, it's just making this photo realistic. Uh, it's stitching all the images together um, and just yeah. making them super, super high resolution. Yeah. And well, it's, it's like using that LiDAR imagery. Yep. And um, it says the software com- compares to the images and renders a 3D model that the user can calibrate by measuring known distances between the points on the object. Hmm. 
Um, oh, I, I'm one still of them, like blanking on it. I'm not thinking about how this picture to scan it. It's not like they take a picture of it. They have to scan a huge. It might be eleven feet tall, but you have yeah. to scan that ceiling. Yeah, I'm, it's still I, that's 16, wild. Sixteen thousand photos. So that's what you're saying. It stitches all that together. Yeah, right. Oh wow. Okay. Sixteen. So that way wow. you can blow all those sixteen thousand photos together into and then one. You can zoom in so far and get Jeez. that detail. Um, and that's just that's kind of what it's talking about. So is maybe it's like our panoramic ability is. on our photo as we do a panoramic. It's stitching all that layering yeah. of the image together as it runs out and puts the next frame in. Right. Okay. Because it's that saying makes sense. some of the engravings and etchings are very faint. Yeah. So yeah. if you can't really see it with the end, you're in a cave. So if you scan <laughs> it, it like a throw it into a hard com- job. Now you can zoom in on those very faint etchings, and what they're saying is yeah. this is just totally blowing people's minds you know what my specialty is mike what's that dark zone cave artist <laughs> that's gonna be your where everybody's gonna have you on their podcast no i mean I'm, I'm a great dark zone cave artist because you can't see my art oh right my because real art's not the there sunlight <laughs> hand painting looks like i should be in fourth grade still yeah it's bad it's bad i have no talent with you that. didn't get the uh gene for no drawing no. and painting I remember the art teacher in high school just one time patting me on the shoulder and just being like, you tried. Yeah. It was right. bad. Right. But it was fun. <laughs> Ron, Father, welcome. Those were great questions, yeah, by the way. Yeah, We appreciate that, So, <laughs> well, the time, the, the year figure is anywhere. Some of the paintings are from 600 years old to almost like 7,000 years old. Yeah. That timeline. So well, I, that's that's in uh, in the basically as a whole in right, right. the southeast. Right, right. That they've been dated from anywhere from right. These particular ones AD may to, not be seven thousand years old. Well, no, but these are are five hundred. Let's see, where was it? I don't know. It was. Uh, oh, Kyle CE. put it up. Stoner put it up there. Two hundred BCE to five hundred CE. So that's before, before before current epic, right? So two hundred before current epic, which. Before current, current era. era, yeah, ah, they got rid of the before, before Christ and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, we, yeah, yeah. Um, not too long. So, ago. I mean, that's still what twenty two hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. That's still a good chunk of uh, time, but yeah, it can be anywhere up to uh, seven thousand. Um, appreciate the question, Ron Father. Yes, Ron Father. <laughs> um, you got more about the cave? Um, yeah, just just goes on to talk about the artistry and the overall culture that you really have to have. To be able to develop that the style yeah. and the the content of the art and right, so you have to be fairly advanced and and have a, a, a culture of uh, an established group of people. Yeah, and, you've got some skill. You're, right. you're doing okay in life that you can sit there and ponder these things, right? You, you, you're you're right. hunting, gathering. Okay, I think actually didn't it say this was at the point where they were kind of sustaining and cultivating yeah and that you know you have more free time you have more time to think um and and start to express yourself in different ways rather than just survival yep um that's interesting yeah but it goes on to say we do have some clues as to why cave art exists native americans modified their landscape to connect to the supernatural realm for example they built mounds to ascend to the spirits of the upper world Decorated caves could be their way to descend and connect with the other half of the supernatural world. 
Whoa. So the underworld as above, so below. That's like sequel With, pompos from Greek history. Mm-hmm. Go to the underworld. I can't remember who it was. That was a Hades. Was well, it was him, the but there was right? another. There was another Greek figure that I don't remember if it was Hermes the messenger. I have it in my notes. I know from uh, that semester when I took it. But Sequel Pompos, he had the skill that he could go to the underworld mm. to commune and, and talk with uh, Hades, and that's how they wow. got. I can't remember if it's Persephone that he took down with him to the underworld and stole their one. Hey, that's <laughs> it's a I fucking love that stories. stuff's amazing. Yeah, it's I love so stories. Cool. Um, this but, is a great one. Yeah, this is cool. That underworld to connect, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that I never. It's, I mean, but you think about it, right? When we go underground, maybe it's also a very um, figurative type metaphor of what do we think of when we go underground? A lot of people don't like basements for that reason. Like, have you ever met someone that's like, I don't go in basements at all. I just don't go in them. And I'm like, <laughs> I've met one person, I think. a spooky house with a basement. There's just, they don't, it's like somebody doesn't like sitting inside a box with claustrophobia. They can't really explain why, but like people that don't like to go underground, it's, it has this still connotation to this day of like right. going where dead things go type thing mm-hmm. um, or where burials are, et cetera. So right. it kind of freaks people out. Um, but yeah, that's my little diatribe on that. <laughs> but basically what they say is the shape, size, context, how much care went into cr- the creation of these uh, really just tells a lot about how important they were to this story. And how much time it had to take I'm excited in to, a group effort yeah. that it would it would take to it's just like shows how much passion in their culture they had right. to do something like this. Right. And they're just huge. Again, this would take time. These would not be done very quickly, I would assume. It would take them. Well, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Who knows how good they got at it if they yep. perfected it outside and then brought it indoors or, you know, yeah. drew it out on the ground or whatever way that they had to have that ability to translate it into that dark zone cave. That's and wild. Pretty much to sum it up, they had to have some sort of communication with other people as well. And the sharing of ideas and connection to other cultures. Oh, okay. To be able to get to the point where they're doing something that magnificent, like this this dark cave. Yeah. This dark cave art. Yeah. Makes me think of the people that can solve a Rubik's Cube behind their back, and I'm just like... Did you ever see the juggler Rubik's Cube stop, guy, folks? Stop. That's yeah, not real. Yeah, they have competitions where That's they're juggling three and, and flipping them with their hands. That's not real. It's real. Look it up. YouTube. Can you get a job for doing that? Before we go down that think, rabbit hole. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not that I could get that job, but I mean, this thing, that'd be great. Like, what yeah. do you do? I juggle Rubik's Cubes and solve them at the same time. Yeah. Like, you win. Yeah. You know? I, I don't uh, know what you win, but you're going to win something. Uh, the next one is is kind of a fun one. Eight secret societies you might not know about. I wish we had the clip so, from So I Married an Axe. Now this isn't you know the uh, the right <laughs> the Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel the, the Sanders. Colonel Sanders we beady eyes. Um, and these aren't the secret societies that you know we're not. This isn't the Illuminati here, folks. No, we no, have no, no, elk no, lodges no. and right. You know, kind of which we you grew can up drive around. Down we middle, grew up around them too. Middle America, little yeah. Ohio, and see yeah. elk lodges still in little towns. Elk and Moose Lodge. Yeah, and the Moose Lodge, absolutely. It's a hangout for guys back in the Knights day. Knights of when, Columbus. Yeah, um, yeah. Where you know every wedding 
It's ever. A so, it's a social club at a, at a level. Yeah, yeah. This so isn't Skull and Crossbones. This isn't the Bohemian <laughs> the Grove. Bohemian this <laughs> isn't, you know, the cremation of care with Moloch. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going that hard in the paint just yet, but... Um, we can oh, later on, but we're gonna. It's like the these, Lucky Charms of the secret societies. Oh yeah, yeah. This is we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time. No, but, but I it's thought fun. This was so. This is kind of because I remember when this happened. Bring there it was on. A lot of conspiracies on Reddit. This is during the whole like PizzaGate crap that was going on and and PizzaGate stuff and and the 2016 election. You had people just going nuts. Podesta, um, Abramovich, pre, I mean, pre, uh, a lot of strange pre stuff. Pre-Epstein, all that stuff, but... We um, can't go there. That's by their secret name, secret societies inspire curiosity, fascination, and distrust. Voldemort. When the Washington Post broke the story in 2016 that Su- Supreme Court Justice uh, Anton uh, Scalia, Judge, Judge Scalia, Scalia. Right. Uh, spent oh, his final hours yeah. in the company of members of a secret society for elite hunters, people instantly wanted to know more about the group. Um, the fraternity in question, the internal uh, International Order of St. Hubert, Hubertus, was incorporated by Count Anton von Spork in 1695 and was originally intended to gather the greatest noble hunters of the 17th century. Real quick, century. do you think that guy missed his mark in life? If he would have invented the Spork and his name was Spork? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you blew it! Yeah. All right. Uh, Sorry. So He blew it. We have the greatest noble hunters of the 17th century, particularly in Bohemia, Bohemian Grove. Maybe there's a connection there. Austria. And a good beer, too. And countries of Austro-Hungarian Empire ruled by the Habsburgs. Now, the Habsburgs... I don't know a lot about them. So I got kind of hooked on um, uh, useful, charts doc, uh, useful charts on YouTube. It's these ama- This guy makes these amazing charts of okay. royal families, yeah. of... Uh, like how the Vikings became the kings that were in Russia, and uh, had you know, never the, heard the, that the, the origin of this and all of the who married who. So it just goes oh, down their family trees. David Ike bloodline and deep dive. Yes, and the Habsburgs pop up all the time as this really uh, old high name that's connected to all the kings going in uh, the monarchs of Europe. So the Habsburgs, according to its official website, after the organization denied membership to the Nazis, notably military leader Hermann Goering, uh, Hitler dissolved Hitler dissolved it, but the order reemerged after World War II, and an American chapter was founded in the late 1960s. Okay. Isn't that interesting that the Nazis... Dissolve it. Started this fraternal order. Comes back in the 60s. Comes back in the late 1960s. When That's was, a weird connection. When did, See, JF, when did JFK go down? 63? Uh, I think it was, yeah. 63 or 4. Yeah. Maybe uh, we'll throw a little fuel on the fire. Oh, God. The Habsburgs are back. <laughs> yeah. They've come again um, for the crown. Yep. The throne. But I yeah. don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there uh, possibly are some wild uh, groups out there and a lot of them are known about already right right but i had never heard of any of these oh look at that oh, worldwide people hunters from the movie uh, hostile yes and there's also a movie kind of like that with uh, ice tea 
I don't know if you've ever seen this 90s movie with Ice-T where he's like no. a homeless guy and they start recruiting him. They give him they like give him clothes and buy him stuff him in a lot. and they invite him out to this hunting lodge and then set him loose in, in the woods. And they're hunting And him. all these dudes hunt. They're hunting God, him. I can't remember what that's. Yeah, called. it was a it was a book we read when we were kids in school called The Deadliest Game or something. It was the same yeah. thing about like yeah. somebody bring, you know, being brought to an island of some eccentric, uh, wealthy billionaire or something like that, and they're like, "Hey, basically, we're going to hunt you now. We'll give you a day's head start right. in the jungle." And it's like, what? Yep. Uh, but yeah, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction, right? Yep. What's uh, some of your favorite out of this? So some of these are pretty, pretty kind of. I mean, some of them are kind of funny. Yeah. Um, well, like, we grew up around like the one, the first one, the the benevolent and protective order of the elks, right? So we mm-hmm. grew up with elks uh, lodge uh, back home, moose lodge, um, things like that. Where again, it's basically, yeah, they're hanging out, they're throwing darts, they're drinking beer on Saturday afternoons. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're that's not. They're not they planning the world in, takeover. But s- most of these have. Uh, connections to, you know, going back to the Revolutionary War, sure. where people started banding together in secret to, you know, run operations, to run, uh, you know, like, you know, obviously the Freemasons are well known for oh, yeah, nine of yeah. the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. Right. So you have kind of these smaller secret groups that are in maybe these little towns, and they're pitching in, and they're making... Uh, you know, ammunition, or mm. they're making clothes, yeah. or and takes the village right. So this one's interesting, but the, the it's claimed members and officers that is one of the most thriving secret societies among Afro Americans of this city, according to the nonprofit African American Registry. The Fraternal Order was founded in Cincinnati, Ohio, in 1899, after two black men were denied admission to the. Bon- benevolent and protective order of the elks of the world which is still popular today and despite questions raised um, on discriminative practices now allows any american citizen 21 years or older who believes in god to be invited to join its ranks okay the two men decided to take the order's name and make their own club around it formerly called the improved benevolent and protective order of the elks of the world the order was once considered to be at the center of the black community. During the era of segregation, the lodge was one of the few places where black men and women could socialize. The Pittsburgh nice. Post-Gazette wrote, In recent years, however, the Post-Gazette commented that the secret organization has struggled to retain its relevance. Still, the secret society continues to sponsor educational scholarship programs, use summer computer literacy camps, yeah. parades, and community services as it's well. Like, it's like a the, rotary the sh- club. The Shriners. It's like a rotary The Shriners club. are kind of your bigger, you know, this, they have hospitals. Yeah. It, it, so, so this is some, some of, of these kind of, they kind of merge into. Goodwill efforts. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I said, rotary club or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I think the name change is great. Yeah. It's like getting, you know, bid over by $1 on the prices, right? When you say like 900, the next contestant's like 901. Yeah. They beat them out. I love it. Right. I love it. It's cool. Um, the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows. Perhaps one needs to be a member of the altruistic and friendly society known as the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows to know for sure when the club first started. But the first written record of the order comes from 1812. However, and its references, uh, George the Fourth, even before 
he was named Prince Regent of the United Kingdom. George IV had been a member of the Freemasons, but as the story goes, when he wanted a relative of his to be admitted to the secret, uh, to the society without having to endure a lengthy initiation process, the request was empathetically denied. George IV left the order, declaring he would establish a rival club. Oh. According to History of the Independent Order of Oddfellows, published by the Philadelphia Evening Telegraph, in 1867, the official website of the order, however, traces the club's origins all the way back to 1066. Sweet Jesus. Regardless of how it first started, it's fair to say the king got his wish. The independent order of the Oddfellows is still around today. Never heard of this. And the club counted British prime ministers Winston Churchill and Stanley Baldwin uh, above its ranks, uh, among its ranks. The Oddfellows, as they call themselves, are grounded in the ideals of friendship, love, and truth. Um, there are real skeletons in the order's lodges. They yep. are used during initiation to remind its members of their mortality. The Washington Post wrote in 2001. Kind of sounds a little bit like Skull and, Bo- skull and Bones. Skull um, and Bones? Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, Skull and Bones is... They had Geronimo's skull... Well, they had skulls, but I'm saying their overall message and intent from the Oddfellows versus Skull and Bones. But just other secret societies, Skull and Bones, that's why they're called Skull and Bones, is because they actually have bones of people. I mean, the the conspiracy story of George Bush, uh, Prescott Bush. Right, but they're famous bones. He was part of the group from Yale that stole Geronimo's skull and brought it back to their secret little weird tomb i mean that's looks what i'm like saying like that's more of like lorish around the skull itself because it's a famous skull mm-hmm. this i can understand having the skeletons of that reference it makes me think of um i think was it a roman saying they would say memento mori remember you have to die yeah like you're not going to live forever yep yep um, makes sense just as like a uh, philosophical tenant yeah um, and then we have the Ancient Order of the Foresters. We'll go through this real quick. Okay. Known today as the Foresters Friendly Society, an Ancient Order of the Foresters was initially established in 1834. According to the Society's website, albeit under a slightly different name, the Ancient Order was created before state health insurance began in England, so the club offered sick benefits to its working-class members. In 1874, That's the cool. American and ca- Canadian branches left the Ancient Order and set up the Independent Order of Foresters. Candidates looking to be admitted to the club had to pass an examination by a computer physician, I'm sorry, a competent physician who is himself bound by his connection with the order. The Boston Weekly Globe wrote in 1879, the society still provides insurance policies today for its members. I just thought that was a funny one. Yeah. (laughs) No. And and, Uh, I mean, this is only highlighting eight of them. Who knows how many there are? Yeah. I mean, there's tons. Think of an order like a Reddit chat room now or a Reddit board or Super Stonk or. Right. That's what it is. 100%. A Discord chat. Wow. That's what secret societies were. I mean, there were so many of them. Then the Illuminati definitely happened. Sorry, I'm going to tangent on that. Then it definitely happened. If there was like a knowledge, like boiled down to like just a very few, sure. The Illuminati was founded in 1776, by the way, in in Austria. It's kind of a weird date, huh? Huh. That's strange. But did you want to grab this? Did you want to do the... The Pentagon's reports. Yeah. This yeah, is interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of this... news uh, lately about the uh, UAPs and mm-hmm. 
information and whether or not the Tic Tac UFO incidents really happened the way it did, you know, was reported now. Um, hey, what's Patricia, up? what's happening? Oh, what's up? Hugs from Brazil. Wow. She oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, in this profile of mine, I have videos of UFO sightings filmed by me. Oh, wow. Patricia, that's incredible. Uh, we'll be checking those out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank I you mean, for the uh, heads up. Don't be surprised if we pull those in next that's unbelievable. week. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, we're going to need that bookmarked. <laughs> Take a screenshot of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Post that link in the in the comments yeah. section. Yeah. Going to uh, going to her point of uh, having videos of UFO sightings, great because I want to see them. But also, what about all the ones that they're now trying to say, oh, that wasn't really a UFO in the Tic Tac video, and it wasn't operating. They're trying to kind of walk that back now. And yeah, I think the cat's kind of out of the bag, and not so many words. Finally, to the point that even if you don't really believe, you're like, what well, they got to report. So there's something going on, even if it's not aliens, right? And I think that's the the final straw of where it'll get pushed to mm -hmm. and we got to figure it out. Right. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the report, uh, says, um, from 2022, the Pentagon official report said there were several hundred unidentified flying objects, um, by the all domain anomaly resolution office, the AARO, right? New Pentagon office set up to investigate UFO reports. You didn't have one for all this time. It was set up in July. Didn't have one for all of 2022. This time. Well, they did. That was the ATIP program. That was more run by the I CIA. Know. But official Pentagon. This is an official Pentagon. Well, it's just the front office to tell you, you know, we're going to have to get back to your requests, I think. But we'll maybe see. they'll slow it roll it. Who started, knows? Yeah, I don't Keep know. Keep the faith for a little while and see if they do well. Um, but basically what the office is doing is it's tracking um, flying object uh, objects reported by the various U.S. military branches, right? So... It's actually starting to take the reports from enlisted servicemen yep. and women that are um, going, hey, I new. was, what's that? Old and new. Right, right. So current, and then, yeah. hey, if you had an experience in the past, we're taking those reports too. Right, and what they're classifying a UFO or UAP as is, quote, anything in the space, in the air, or on the land, in the sea, or under the sea that cannot be identified and which might pose a threat to U.S. military installations or operations. The U.S. military has revealed that UFO, UFO reports are now flooding the facility, which was set up in 2022 of July. <laughs> um, Sean Kirkpatrick, the AARO office director, noted that none of the reports, old or new, show any actual hint of alien activity, however. So we're not pointing to extraterrestrials yet. Um, when asked to quantify such sightings, he said there have been several hundreds. Um, an updated official report with specific figures on new reports received since 2021 is expected by the end of the current year. The AARO established uh, upon the realization that military pilots uh, were sometimes reluctant to report UFO sightings as a result of the potential stigma. We've talked about this before in all types of areas of whether it's Bigfoot or the Mothman or Cryptid. You know, you don't really want to tarnish your career if you're in military you might be a career military yeah you want to get in and do your time and get out and you know reap the benefits not throw a monkey wrench in it you know by potentially doing that so it's cool that there's an outlet now for that um, but they said the insight came after more than a year of focusing on pilots sightings of ufos so kirkpatrick kirkpatrick says the sudden influx of new reports may be thanks to recent outreach efforts by the AARO. The goal is to destigmatize the process of reporting such sightings to, um, so as to make it easier for military personnel to come forward with their observations. In uh, June of 21, 
2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence reported that there were 144 UFO encounters, 80 of which were captured on multiple sensors between 2004 and 2021. In November, anonymous Pentagon officials told the New York Times that a number of these reported sightings have actually already been resolved. Hmm. Um, officials also said many UFO sightings can likely be attributed to relatively ordinary surveillance drones from such uh, nations as China and Russia. Others may be uh, simply airborne clutter, including such things as weather balloons. And I get that. There are things... I've seen a balloon in the sky. I know it's a party balloon. I've seen them happen. Mm-hmm. You know, some kids crying somewhere, but or somebody's you know upset and just walked <laughs> back in the store to buy another one. But yeah. you see it happen, and I'm not saying all of them, but there there's enough, right? So yeah, uh, not everything is a UFO, um, and having that ability oh. to whittle them down and go, this mm-hmm. is unknown, and this isn't. Um, but in May of 20, uh, 2022, Congress held its first hearing on UFOs after more than a half a century. Right. I haven't done this for 50 years. Members expressed concern that regardless of whether or not the objects are alien or potentially new technology being flown by China, Russia, or another potential adversary, the unknown creates a security <laughs> risk for the U.S. itself. <laughs> Ronald, Sorry. <laughs> Ronald Moultrie, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security in the Biden administration, announced, We have not seen anything, and we're still very early on. That would lead us to believe that any of the objects that we have seen are of alien origin. Um, However, Moultrie added, any unauthorized system in our airspace we deem as a threat to safety. Um, That's kind of where they leave it. Yes, we've we've had these unidentified flying objects, unidentified aerial phenomena, etc. They're kind of expanding the scope to not just flying in the air. We, you know, we've talked about USOs under the water for a long time or UFOs coming out of the water. I've heard lots of stories like that. So I think it's interesting. They are kind it's of... It's an official program. That's the takeaway from this. That's a good point. And they're tracking it. It is an official it's government not much program. Of, hey, we found this, but yeah. they are an official front-facing organization whether it's bullshit or not which it's could be you know like at least maybe there's a chain of process to hold their feet to the fire which was right just to prove that ufos didn't exist right this program could be a little bit more and by the way flux capacitor surviving the game oh geez Um, is the ice tea movie i know i knew (laughs) i you all you had to do is wait matt's gonna have that i love it Yes. He knows him. Uh, Okay, so that one's cool. Moving on, because this one's cool. The potential portal discovered that could be a wormhole in our galaxy, which that's been theorized for a long time. You know, you kind of hear that. Right. You hear that the center of galaxies, you know, that's why they're spiraling. It's it's matter and energy and everything, light. The event horizon. Being sucked into the center of it. And that gravitational pull is, is spiraling. Out and we're at kind of the the end, really. It's like our the eater of system. worlds, yeah. Pennywise of the is galaxy. It, is it pushing energy out, or is it? Are we a black on, hole, or is it sucking it sucking in? Sucking it in, yeah, like, a, like going down a drain. So recently, for the first time, it turned out that in our galaxy there is an object similar to a wormhole. It is located at a distance of fifteen hundred sixty-six light years from us by space standards. With easy reach, within easy reach, portals between universe or galaxies are theoretically possible. Their existence does not contradict the laws of physics. 
Albert Einstein and Nathan Rosen stated this back in the 1930s. Yeah, Einstein-Rosenbridge theory, Mm -hmm. right? A wormhole. Uh, Later, several theories appeared in their own way explaining the likelihood of such travel using the so-called wormholes. Right. This is where it gets interesting. One such hypothesis compares a wormhole and a black hole, uh, compares a wormhole and a black hole. The entrances to them as a region of powerful gravity are very similar. Based on the analogy, scientists hope that tunnels in space-time can be detected, including using the Event Horizon Telescope, the EHT, the main purpose of which is to observe black holes. Mm-hmm. EHT is a complex of uh, is a complex of radio telescopes located in different parts of the world. With his help, several discoveries have already been made. Last year, he found a black hole in the center of our native galaxy. In general, there are supposedly millions of black holes in the Milky Way, and most importantly, some of them are potentially the mouths of wormholes. So astrophysicists in the United States and in Germany recently discovered the first such object. This is Gaia BH1 an object 10 times the size of the sun, located 1566, uh, 1,566 light years from Earth. And if you scan down just a hair, you kind of see this visual re- representation um, of this wormhole. And, you know, some people say that this, this is kind of a shape that, almost like the energetic body, the torsum field. Oh, the uh, torsion. Uh, the tor- torsion yeah. field that the Earth has. That's why at the top of the Earth is the, the electromagnetic uh, flow of energy well, kind of goes around and around. Uh, they so, flow out of the north and south poles, so right? This is kind of like the opposite in a way, but, uh, you know, is the Not Alaskan Triangle and is some of these places that planes Toroidal just go, just go missing – um, is that a place where maybe you know, that's these, why Antarctica might have these a portals or little there. wormholes open up and yeah. boom, your your ship is gone, your plane just disappears. Well, again, uh, the Bermuda Triangle, superconductors being in cold environments. Mm-hmm. If if the energy does flow like this, that we know the Earth's magnetic energy does as well from the polar caps. Right, that's wild to think about. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the reason why if there are possibly structures down there, right? There's that energy grid going through there. Mm-hmm. Capturing it somehow. Uh, Gaia BH1 has a sun-like star orbiting it. Usually in a binary system, the black hole is fed by the star, simultaneously emitting powerful x-rays. But this black hole does not attract matter to itself and does not radiate anything. Astronomers conventionally call this mis- uh, such mysterious objects sleeping black holes. They have never before uh, they have never before been found in our galaxy. That's pretty wild. This is either a sleeping black hole or a perfectly suitable candidate for the role of a wormhole. The discovery was made possible by the highly functional Gaia Space Telescope and the ground-based Gemini Telescope. Wow. So they're kind of like triangulating these things with multiple systems, some in space, some on Earth. And they're just shooting these beams and scans out into these black holes. I mean, this kind of technology is getting wild, man. Um, The classical wormhole is represented as a three-dimensional tube in a curved two-dimensional space. This does not contradict general relativity. 
but most scientists believe that such tunnels are only stable if they are filled with exotic matter of negative energy density, which creates a strong gravitational repulsion and prevents the cavity from collapsing. So it's just this open portal that gravity and all these other weird things are just pushing this thing out and keeping it open. And that's always the science fiction. How do you do interstellar travel? Right. You know, the hyperdrive. Right. That's wormhole travel. Right. So we're getting really, really close to at least just like even understanding the science to be able to do interstellar travel one day. I if mean, all these other UFOs and things are coming into, they've figured it out if they are extraterrestrial, interdimensional. Well, that's a whole Look at it from topic. that aspect, though. Okay, if, if we know there's all these wormholes and some of them operate like these newly discovered wormholes where we're not sure what's happening within them, but we theorize that there's potentially, not wormholes, but the, the, the black holes, the sleeping black holes. Right. But they don't operate like a normal black hole that we've seen before and we've Maybe studied a little bit, right? Maybe they are these wormholes within black holes. Right. And if that's the case, there's been the contention before that, you know, UFOs and unidentified what have yous are, maybe they are alien in origin as far as it's an alien craft, but it's n- there's no one on them. Maybe yeah. that's a probe. Scouts. It yeah. could be someone Probes. on them too. I, yep. I'm not saying not, but if we could get to a point where we could develop something that could take that form of space travel, we could put, you know, a propulsion device on this probe and we go, Hey, it's kind of like planet of the apes, right? You're going to go through this belt and we're going to send you through this wormhole and see what happens mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be an interesting day if we can get to that point in technology that we can make something that can go fast enough. I don't know how you would receive transmission signals. I don't know how that would work. That's the part of, I don't know, know, like when you watch Guardians of the Galaxy and he gets like a a phone call and it's like, how do you have reception on from Earth's cell phones up here? Yeah, (laughs) it's great. Um, But But yeah, it's, it's a fair point, you know. That's that's one of those kind of I, I maybe I just don't understand it well enough and maybe it is possible but it doesn't it's seem fun to very think about likely that you can get information back. Yeah. Like we could probably do it, but how will we're we know long, what's happening? We're a long way. I think this is one of those steps where in the right direction. But or right you, now, it just seems yeah. like it's so hard for your our monkey brains to. Well, what if you send at a least relay? Us, I'm not saying anybody else what if you did a relay of devices (laughs) that all went to the black hole in stages and set up little tower transmissions but well just while they're going through it yeah you have one that sits at the edge of being sucked down the black hole but then you just have this constant line of pods that are going 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 and as far as they can get down it they can transmit to the next pod back up and get that message back you, wow. That's the only way you'd be able to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even telling Even assuming that you're not being sent into different directions once you enter that event horizon. Who knows what splice you're in or yeah. reality or and timeline bubble universe. Who knows? I mean, no idea. Oh, it's fun to think about, though, isn't it's it? It's one of my favorites. Now that might be a theory I'm going to play with for a while and we'll kind look of look into out. it more. Yeah, that's great. But that's, fun. that's all we have, guys. That's, that's it. all the articles that that's we it. came across this week. Another yeah. episode of Strange Happenings. Yes. Um, I think this one was this one was a good time. We had yeah. we had some fun. Um, Brian Walters joining. My son said that it's like the nether. What is the this? nether on Minecraft? 
His little it boy, is. his little boy is picking up what we're laying yep. down, and that Henry is great. Is the man? That's why Minecraft is great. Yep. It's a you know a, a, what Legoland in 3D and digitized yeah. where we grew up playing with just Legos. But I right. understand the need to fill that void, and that's awesome. Yep. Great comment. Um, but, but yeah, that's everybody it. out there, thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks yeah. for. Do you have any other messages? Uh, Did yeah. we cover everything? Yeah. So you know, like always, you can. Find our audio versions on all podcast platforms available everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we're on a couple new ones. I just uh, signed us up for Radio okay. Republic. Tune In's a new one. Um, oh, great. Stone's got all of our links up yeah. there. You can scan with QR code. Oh, That'll this lead is you great. to it. This is great. This is part of uh, coming out of beta mode. Yeah. The show. We're getting scaled up. We're getting some more graphics and elements bringing into the show. Yeah. Stoner the Wizard made these for us. Absolutely. But, uh, go ahead and scan those. We're on Instagram, Twitter. That's um, just so nice listen. that it makes it so easy. to. Sometimes you go, oh, I won't forget that show name. And you go home and you're like, "I no, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. At least I do. So this is cool to just streamline it and be able to yeah. make it very accessible. So yep. hit like, hit subscribe, tell your there friends. You there you if go. you like it. If you don't, don't tell your friends. Five-star rating or bust on, That's right. on iTunes in particular or Apple Podcasts right. and Spotify. You can rate. and uh, Five shiny stars. Yep. Thank you guys and, that's and gals and everybody very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle, the Magic Man Stoner for the ones and twos. Yes. We'll see you guys next time. That was fun. Bye. Bye, everybody.